Well, congratulations, man. We got picked up for a second episode. Ah, here we are. We did it. How's your week been so far? Oh, you know, uh, not too shabby. Winter is just being winter. The weather is being quite inconvenient. It inconvenienced you, I heard. Yeah, very, very, very inconvenient. But we did have something very important happen. I think we had, um, let's see. Oh, Super Bowl 53. Oh, of course. Good old Super Bowl. What'd you think of it? I feel like uh, some people were a little upset. They thought... I want offense, I want air raid, I want passing. What did you think of it? It kind of goes either way. It kind of depends on, like, if you love football or if you don't like If you don't like football, you expect a 60-55 to 55 final. Yeah, like the Chiefs game uh, the Chiefs and the Rams, the- you know. Uh, 54-51, we, we see that in college, and that's usually due to huge gaps in the defense and just assignments being broken down. But when you see it in the NFL game, it's usually due to good offense, smart offense. However, I'm an old school fan. I love a good defense. And to be honest, that first throw that uh, Tom Brady made, it honestly looked like it just kind of sizzled out like it was a flat ball. It stayed up in the air a little too long. And I thought the game was going to go a completely different direction. I'm like, the Rams just got a huge interception right away. They've got momentum. But to be honest, uh, Jared Goff. Jared, Jared, you know, you can't knock him, but... You have an entire football game to make two, three big plays. He uh, he missed two or three throws that would have made the game completely different, and I don't even think we'd be talking about the score being so low if it was 13 to 10, honestly. But uh, I digress. I, I still thought it was a good football game, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, you got to think about it. It was the Super Bowl spotlight for both Sean McVay, who's only 32. That's true. He's very young. And Jared Goff, who's the same age as me. So think of me just being the quarterback in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I would be I'd be crapping my pants, honestly, in the biggest stage. But Wow, you're just, right. That's, yeah, think about it. Jared Goff, he's he's a, a very solid quarterback. He'll he be fine. He's gonna come back. Eventually. He's impressed me because remember when he first came out and he had a different coach? I believe he had uh Jeff Fisher, Fisher. who was absolutely terrible. The mustache. Yeah. Uh, It goes to show a program uh, can fit with good puzzle pieces, and it's not necessarily the player. Uh, It it was, he seemed to just be a bad quarterback, and I was completely wrong in that judgment. Him and Sean McVay have been fitting perfectly together. He's been clearly confident. He's calm. He's kind of got that California no care, long hair, even though it doesn't have long hair, attitude, but he's he's more nonchalant, he's more set back, and it seems like with this offense, he was clicking and he was just doing his thing. But, you know, it's the Patriots, it's the Super Bowl, so a little extra sauce had to be there, and I don't think it was. Yeah, and talking about the Patriots, I was never a huge fan of them, but... Yeah, but you gotta respect them. Exactly, that's what I meant to say. Well, I've, been saying that, I've been saying this a lot. You may not like them, but you respect them. It's the same thing for LeBron James. I, I love LeBron. Him. Really? I personally hate him. That's fair because it brings up a good point. Like Stars of that caliber or teams, Belichick, Brady, the combination, we either love or hate greatness. But both have to be a form of respect. The fans that are just like, oh, he sucks. I, you know, I have no time for them. I don't ever give them. You know how many times I've said that this season about the Patriots? Well, I like to hope that you're not actually saying they suck. I hope you're just saying I really wish somebody else would win because this is getting old. Maybe that's the 
the most respectful way of saying it. I guess, uh, I guess I'm not a true sports fan. I'm kidding. You know what I respect? I love, you know, the Patriots, what they've done. And it's, but it's fair because how they are so hateable. And, you know, the Spygate, Deflategate, you know, the cheating or whatever. The tuck rule. The tuck, yeah, the whole, the fact that the NFL has formed multiple rules based on what's happened to Tom Brady. They changed the rules that year after he was playing the Dolphins in the first game and broke it at his ankle break. Yep. They changed the whole can't hit him here, below the knees. Then the tuck rule. Oh, my God. Oakland the in the snow. Rule. Like, just, we get it. Uh, we get it. What brings ratings is stars and quarterbacks. But I feel like nobody's touched Tom because if they do, they'll be fined $80,000. Oh, yeah. My favorite one was the... Uh roughing the passer in the AFC championship game mm. where it looked like it was just like a little tap to the chest. It's like if I was yep. If I was um what is it like uh the national anthem it was like I put yes. my hand on my chest. That's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> but it was exactly the the hand came down in the front of the face mask. Uh, a Patriot fan who's a diehard here, shout out to Jimmy Healy. He's like, no, it hit the mask still, but it wasn't a but no, it didn't even hit the mask. Like you said, it just went straight down, hit his chest the issue I have is, okay, the back judge who doesn't see the angle, it might have looked like a blow to the head. But there are others everywhere and are supposed to huddle up and say, actually, it missed. Where are their eyes? I get it, they have a lot to watch, but it just seems like even what we said about the blown call in the Saints game where the guy was decked before the ball even got there. Oh, it's so clear. So clear, so blatant. Okay, there's two judges and one side judge. I just feel like one of them would have come in and say, uh, yeah, this is the correct call, or we need to make a call in general. And they're bringing up the idea of uh, judgment plays being flagged or being reviewed, and, you know, people are going to start complaining more about it takes longer and this and that, but you know what? We are already bogged down with so many commercials, so much sideline time, and football is a sport where it's hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. They should... Anyone that says that's like too long, you should put them on the field and see what it's like to be in an NFL game as a player. Exactly. Honestly, I played for Avon High School. Yes, it's high school football in Connecticut, so it's, it's still football. But it's still football. I was outside linebacker, I was wide receiver, and I was the punter, and I was on both kickoff and kick return. So I never left the field. I needed every second between plays. People would be celebrating and trying to hit me in the head or congratulate Mikey D. Shout out Mikey Danoff. We were on our knees, head down, panting because we needed every second. So it's a war for seven seconds and then it's recovery. But the people who are impatient and say it's going to take too long will then either complain about that and stick with it or realize there's still going to be human error, there's still going to be the element, and I can swing that into baseball. That's still why I love the game of baseball the most, is because there's an aspect of the human, the human error. I do not want it to head into automated strike zones. Stupid idea. I don't think that's going to work out. What, robot umpires? Is that where we're going to get? That sounds like a terrible idea. Even in video games, they make the <laughs> mental errors. Like when we're playing the show, yes. and I'm I'm the pitcher, and I get a an easy ball call, and they call it a strike. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I actually like that. Shout out to MLB The Show. That's actually pretty cool that they do that. You, you are right. I, I think, though, that's, that's actually important, knowing who's behind the plate. 
you know, some some teams and managers might like, oh, you know, he's so different from this. Angel Hernandez is so different than Jim Joyce. Uh, but, Angel Hernandez. Uh, we'll mm. talk about that in a second. Oh, man. But, you know, you need to know it's a part of the game. Who's behind the plate? Is he giving that outside pitch? Is he uh, not giving the inside pitch? Is he high? Is he low? As long as he's consistent, which is all that players ask for, they'll be okay with it and adjust accordingly. You know when hitters get the scouting report on pitchers? I think pitchers should get scouting reports on the umpires. Yeah. So that way they know what they do. Like if they're going to say they're going to throw a pitch on the top left side of, yeah. the, of the strike zone and they don't get the call, it'd be like, okay, well, you know what? That's a way to to pitch lower, but not too low. Otherwise, that guy's going to take you out of the ball. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? You see catchers all, all, often when catchers are hitting. They know the strike zone because they're sitting a foot away from the umpire the entire game. They, uh, they're the ones that I often see with a little shoulder shrug or a little frustration because they're like, wait a minute, we didn't get that pitch. Or, hmm, okay, I'll let that one go. But then when they're behind the plate, you often see him frame the ball an extra three or four seconds. They always do, they always do That's that. That's their way of being like, you missed that one. And you called that a strike on me. So... But I still think it's a cool factor. I think humans, uh, I think we are uh, the tragic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, mistake or the, the error is actually the excitement. You know, perfection, I feel like it would be boring. That is true. But I didn't even think of it that way because if, yeah, you're right about that. If there was perfection, it would be boring. Like, say that that call didn't happen in the Saints and Rams games. Yeah. What would it be talking about exactly. right now? Exactly. Who would be that angry? The Saints would have been, you know, upset, but not this upset. Baseball drama wouldn't be as high as it would be when a pitch is on the outside corner and the guy goes, strike three, and the batter throws his bat. If it's a if it's a automated strike zone and it's a robot, who's he going to argue to? And he's just going to be like, well, that must have been a strike. So what do we want to go to? A mediated line of just androgynous nothing, or do we want to keep the anger and the passion explosive? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, imagine if we did have robot empires. Imagine a, a batter gets struck out, and then the umpire's like, I'm sorry, the pitch was just a little <laughs> too low. It was a strike. That would be freaky if we got to a point where we had robots out there. I would hope it would be like, hopefully not, but I would hope it would be like something on home plate where it's like a, you know, 3D hieroglyphic thingy-majiggy of the invis- you know the invisible strike zone, the one they show on TV essentially being that's a good idea the the strike zone, but uh, no, you're right. We can't. We cannot go to to robots. That would no, be, not yet. We would lose ourselves. We already lost ourselves in the world. We cannot lose ourselves in sports. Sports are the greatest drama. They're the reason why we we watch. We want passion. We want anger. We want to feel upset and then overcome it. You know, memorable moments usually are the most. Angriest moments. <laughs> Beautifully said. That is pretty much. All right. So, Super Bowl officially over. It's Patriots over. won sixth time. So, we uh, we get it. You have two hands now where you can have a ring, Tom. That's pretty friggin' awesome. I'll give you a tip of the cap. But guess what? Football's over. Spring training is upon us. Yes! How about Woo-hoo! that? It's time for some baseball talk. Yes. How about that? Yes. I've been waiting for this moment for a very, very long time. And yet, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still don't have teams. So, Manny Machado, too much alliteration, too much attitude. I don't lie. I'm, I'm, we're over him. I want to bring up Bryce Harper. Ah, yes. Recently mentioned, you brought up to me before we started the podcast, 
that Aaron Judge was quoted saying he will uh, help and adjust accordingly to put Bryce and his great speed, he says he's faster, in right field. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Hmm. Before all of this story, I'm like, why do we need Bryce Harper? We have the most, we have the best outfield depth. We got, yeah, Judge, Hicks, Stanton, Gardner, Frazier, and eh, Ellsbury. Jacoby. Yeah, sadly, Jacoby. But yeah. the fact that Aaron Judge is willing to move to a different position to have Bryce Harper play in New York, I say bring Bryce Harper to New York. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, honestly, that shows more character uh, than we already do know with Aaron Judge. It shows what, uh, captain quality, you know, that the J- Jeter-esque quality. But, you know, nobody's going to take Jeter's position. But Aaron willing to work with Bryce and make him comfortable in the big city, the Big Apple, that is that is a beautiful thing, you know. Uh, just to quickly make a shout-out to Gil Lewer, may he rest in peace. He was the second baseman when I was a freshman, and he was a senior in high school. And he... Uh, sacrificed himself, he said, you know what, even though he was the team captain and had played all four years, he moved to right field so that I could be in the starting lineup as a freshman and play second base. And uh, may he rest in peace, he was taken early, and uh, shout out to his family and Ben, who I played with all growing up. That just shows the type of character who he is. And Aaron, uh, you know, more than throwing the ball to kids in the outfield during warm-ups, more than always being a gentleman and what we've learned about him already, that just impresses me, Barnon. He is he is hopefully the future and the new captain of our New York Yankees. Oh, he is going to be the captain no matter what. M- making decisions like that as a twenty as a late twenty years right. old. That's impressive. That's when, imp- when do you think they're gonna when would they bring up the idea of a new captain? Uh is it too soon? I think it uh it's kind of like a tough decision because he's only been in this league for a couple of years. Right. I think we need to see him progress a little bit right, more. Right. I would say within the next two to three years. I agree. You're right. Because, you know, I don't think he's going to have a down year. <laughs> you know. What, 250? Yeah. <laughs> Let's say he only has 30 or 25. He might have a down year, but uh, the pressure or the idea of being captain might change something in him. I don't think it would, but... You're right. That's talks for maybe two years down the road. But here's the, uh, the question. Bryce Harper being put in right field. He's faster. Yeah. But there's less ground to cover in right field. It's tough, yeah, because it's 314 yeah. to right field. So I feel like if speed is the question and it's if we're talking about ground to cover... We like Judge and Wright. I think, you know, Harper should consider the idea of maybe playing left. There's the deep gap in left center, so that he can maybe cover that more. But Judge has the height, like you said earlier. We have a lower wall. He can... He's 6'7", by the way. Literally one little, like, little, like... eh. He he can reach. Oh, yeah. He can literally reach over the wall, let alone if he jumps, he can rob things. He's made some great catches on that right field wall, too. It is a short porch, I know, I know. But to be honest, uh, if he's, you know, playing just in front of the warning track like he usually is, keep everything in front of him, keep the doubles off the line, he can rob, you know, he can rob home runs. Like, I'm assuming Harper would do the same, but I like having that height aspect and, you know, it's, it's brave of him. It's, it's noble to say he would change positions. Um, but I think we know Hicks is great for center. 
We know Gardner is most likely going to be a rotation player. Uh, he doesn't have the best arm, so we keep him in left. But you usually want the best arm in right field because if you think about it, all throws to second base are relatively the same distance. All throws to home plate are the same distance. But the throw to third base is the only thing that separates the outfield. It's way shorter in left, obviously, and it's a deeper throw for them in right. So usually that's why you see the Vlad Guerreros in right. Yeah, well, Vlad Guerrero had hands down the best arm in all of baseball, besides oh, Jose Guillen. You remember that? That was almost cartoonish. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Vlad... And God, I loved him at the plate, too, swinging at absolutely everything. Oh, yeah, my favorite was, it. I think it was in, uh, what, 2009. I think he was facing the Orioles. The pitch was literally so low. It was literally <laughs> to his toes, and he still was able to make some contact out of that. Let alone he might have hit a home run. I've seen him hit balls that, I swear he hit a bouncer once. I swear he hit a single off of a ball that bounced. That was the one. That was, that was the it? One. I think that yes. was the one. That is awesome. And, you know, you got to think, commit to the pitch. He's basically telling himself, if I see fastball, I'm swinging, let alone it be at his eyeballs or in the dirt. But I uh, love the fact. No batting gloves, pine tar, old school baseball. It was great. And he could stand at home plate and throw the ball out of the ballpark, no problem. <laughs> are you kidding me? He probably could have threw the ballpark from where we are at the line bar. Probably <laughs> throw it all the way to Hartford. Amen, brother. I love it. So, right field, what do you think? I think, uh, I think it's noble that Judge would consider changing positions, but I still think his bullet of an arm should he should be in right Mm -hmm. more ground to cover Harper in left and Hicks who also has a beautiful arm have him in center and then rotate in Stanton who also has a great arm and him DHing and then Gardner maybe in left get him get the other guy some rest man what good problem we have what a great problem we have it's beautiful it's beautiful the only thing the only thing we still need is Harper, uh, what's it going to take? Uh, probably getting rid of Jacoby Ellsbury. That's probably what's going to happen. Ooh, and you mentioned before, uh, off air, yes. that, what was that uh, deal you heard of? I heard something yesterday that uh, the Giants are willing to take the terrible contract of Jacoby Ellsbury to get shipped to San Francisco, and what do we get in return? Johnny Cueto. Ooh, I would love him. I remember, was he on the... Royals. Yeah, he was on the Royals that won it all in 2015. Yes, and I remember he was in the big games. I just, he's one of those guys that mixes up his windup every pitch, I right? Like his, I like the little shimmy he's got. Yeah. Like, oh, there little you go. deception keeps the hitters off rhythm. It's actually very old school, and I like that. Yeah. But uh, you said you mentioned his contract was four years, 68 mil. Yeah. Th- but we'd be getting rid of Ellsbury's ridiculous contract that probably should have not even been signed to begin no, with. No, of course not. What was it, seven year? Like it was like two hundred ten or something like that. Oh, I think it was lower than that. Lower I think it was like a hundred I think it was like one sixty one or something. Yes. Like one sixty seven or one sixty one. Uh but it was seven years, right? Six, seven years around there. You know, just in, terrible contract. In theory, at the time, it was probably a great idea. He was already playing in the AL East. You saw him destroy you for the Red Sox. You saw his outfield. You saw his suave, gorgeous, good looks. <laughs> and uh, you did not expect him to be a rinky-dink, injury-prone uh, nobody. Nope. Yeah, bust, pretty much. Bust. People I, thought it looked like Jacoby Ellsbury at one point. You do. You're a handsome devil. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> We're letting everyone know how much I look like Jacoby Ellsbury. Yes. Probably play like him, though, if I actually played. Hey, you're lefty. Yep. 22 is my favorite number. Nice. 22 is a great number. It is a great number, yes. I always loved two because of Derek. I tried to wear two for every team I ever played on. 
If I couldn't get it, I'd get 22, so I'm right there with you, bud. Yeah, anyway. Oh, what were you talking about? So, oh, right. Right, right, right. So, what we were... Uh, so, Johnny Cueto. Hmm. Would he be... The thing is, is that he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. That's the other thing. You're right. Uh, we don't know where he's at in the process. Is he going to be pitching in 2019? He'll probably pitch in 2019, but it's just going to be probably a lot later. Maybe towards August and September. All right, so you know what? We've got... Jacoby Ellsbury has done jack. We've got Johnny Cueto, who's coming off an injury. We know, uh, you know, we know you're just going to ride the bench for a little while and just recover and, and train. So why not have a piece that fits in the puzzle much better? A good I, pitcher, nonetheless. Too. Good pitcher. And I don't see Jacoby, you know, like you said, with, with Frazier coming up, um, hopefully recovering from his concussion. You know, we just have too many good outfielders to try to fit him in that lineup just because of his contract. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can figure that out. Oh, I also forgot to tell you, we also have uh, Estevan Floriel, too, one of the top prospects for the Yankees, an outfielder. Where is he going to go eventually, unless we don't sign Hicks? You know, he and slipped through my grip. I never. So tell me a little bit about him. Florio is one of the top outfielder prospects for the Yankees, who literally just jumped up over the last couple of seasons. It was originally Frazier, but since we got Stanton, Frazier really hasn't been able to get a lot of playing time recently. And also, he got a concussion. He only had... 34 at-bats. Only 34 at-bats, and he didn't really do all that much in those 34 at-bats. Zero homers, one RBI. Bad at 265, but still. Concussion. It's a big deal. It, and it wasn't just a regular concussion. I remember there was some... There were some side effects, or there were some after effects that he had that were very serious. Um, bringing up that list, you said uh, spring training early arrivals. That's right. How you, about that? You told me. I'll go top to bottom, read them off. We've got Sevy, Paxton, Greg Bird, Luke Voigt, Glaber Torres, the Gary Sanchez, J.A. Happ, and the Frazier that we just talked about. So, A, I'm happy to see all them there. That just shows me, like you said, these guys are, are doing, they're here to work. They're here to improve and work on, and especially these individuals have things maybe that they need to prove to themselves or recover or work on. But uh, why don't we just start with Frazier because, you know, he was the previous mention. What do you hope to see out of him? I hope he gets at least some playing time in the Bronx because he has every right to show the talent that he has. Mm. Like, I remember a couple of seasons ago when he made his major league debut, he hit a home run in his first major league game. That was a good sign to come. That's and special. He, that was special. And also, I remember that walk-off home run he hit against the Brewers that really... That's when the Yankees were in a huge slump. That right. In July, that home run changed everything. You're right. He did lift them in a downtime. And you know what? That goes to show a little bit of New York DNA in him because it's the Big Apple. It's drama. you got to step up in the big moments. And you know what? You're right. He could play on the big stage, but let alone more so for New York because it's not Milwaukee. You know, it's, it's, it's New York. New York City. Big Apple. 10 big, million people live there. Big moments. Big numbers. But, uh, all right, so let's go down the list here. Luke Voigt. Ah, Luke Voigt. First of all, who would have thought he was going to hit 14 home runs when the Yankees got him the trade deadline? You're absolutely right. 14 home runs with the Yanks, 15 total on the season. <laughs> Funny, he only had 36 RBIs. So that just means he had a lot of solo shots or maybe just had one or two. Uh, solo 
Because I constantly, constantly remembered him hitting doubles. I remember him doubles machine down the line, mm-hmm. staying within the zone. He only had 143 at-bats, but he did bat 322. He's a monster, too. And you did correct me. I looked up his postseason stats last year. I thought he was terrible in the postseason. Nope. But I stand corrected. He actually had some big clutch at-bats, big walks, and a couple of RBIs to get us in at least close to That's the Red right. Sox. So I like to see out of him. He's a big boy. He can hit that fastball. I want to see him work on those sweeping sliders that people started throwing him more often, low and away. He's a big boy. Yes, he's jacked. Usually what happens, I feel like it tends to prevent them from having that flexibility they need. The wrists will be stiff and roll over sometimes more often. So maybe uh, maybe he can look to hit the ball the opposite field a little more often, see the ball deeper in the zone, maybe work on his plate appearance. Because now people know who he is. Mm-hmm. People are going to pitch to him, and they're going to they're gonna go low and away. Also, as a right-handed batter like he is, and you hit at Yankee Stadium, you are lucky. I would focus on trying to hit the ball the other way. Think about it. He hit 14 home runs with the Yankees. He could probably hit... 30 to 40, somewhere around Absolutely, there. Absolutely, you're right. I said, we were saying that with A-Rod. Like, why, why wouldn't he be looking right field? Because when he was at his best, uh, Botaco, baby. You know, short porch, get lucky. Balls that would be maybe flyouts or maybe doubles just over the fence, just enough to piss off the, the pitcher. And that's when you know the players are starting to heat up if they hit the ball the other way. Correct. That means they're seeing it deeper into the zone, and they are comfortable. You know anxiety when you haven't had a hit in a long time or you are playing poorly, you're jumping at it. You see these players just too early. They see it like, oh, I know what it is. Go. I want to I prove myself. Go. See it deep. It may sound kind of funny, but the time it takes to get to the plate, 0.4 seconds, 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball, is an eternity for someone who's in a slump. They need to see it deep, take their time, let it get all the way to them. I'm guessing you could say that about a guy on that list, Gary Sanchez. Gary. Gary is scary, but that batting average was very scary. <laughs> that was more season. scary. <laughs> that was a little bit scary no, of the batting absolutely, average. You're absolutely right. He's 186. Like, he hit under the Mendoza line. That is something we did not expect from him. Gross. This is a guy we expect that he's going to hit 275, 280. Yeah. And have, and have the power pop. Yes, he blew us away with his opening month the previous year. Yes, we know that's not going to happen continuously. But I was, my father was saying it. He said, look at his swing. The swing was ugly. It, it was really bad. It was telling us that he is not seeing the ball or perhaps he's just off rhythm. And perhaps he could maybe do what we were just talking about, hit the ball to right field, see it deeper. He's got the power. <laughs> Okay, I'm laughing because I just hit the table. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm laughing about. But anyway, I'm breaking that fourth wall. We're here to talk. Yeah, of course we're here to talk. Obviously, we're not talking about Gary Sanchez and his. Scary Gary doesn't need to be talked about anymore. Uh, or you know, I could also say his laziness didn't help uh, running down to first base. Yeah, but look at Gary Sanchez. He lost a lot of weight. Did looks he? Like, yeah, you don't see what he looks like now. No, he, he looks he looks thinner. He doesn't look as pudgy as he's looked the last oh, couple of seasons. Good, good. So maybe that's a way for him that can definitely help him at the catcher position to prevent less pass balls. Because we know that was the issue he had. That was another thing. He wouldn't go down to his knee. He would let the the ball come in and just try to reach for it. Commit. Get down on your knees. Block that thing. Don't be don't be scared. Grab it. Grab it. 
So, speaking of the interstate, ugh. Interstate. Batting up 186, you know, I-86. Greg Bird. Ah, uh, yeah, be batted I-99. I-99, 199, 11 homers, 38 RBIs, and only 272 plate appearances. What are we more upset about, him being hurt all the time or his numbers? I'm more upset that fans want him out of New York. That's really? what I'm upset about. Well, what do you want? I want him to shut those haters up. Me too, me too. I think he's a good fit in New York. I think we don't really have a true first baseman. So it'd be nice to have a guy who literally is okay, 1B on his, on his card. We really haven't had a true first baseman since Mark Teixeira. You're absolutely right. But then he also had a couple of injury plague seasons. Where yeah. Chase Headley had to play first. I remember 2013, we had Lyle Overbay. That was a terrible idea. Nick Swishers played first. Oh, I love Nick Swisher. I love him. Love Nick. Big power. See, he's a guy, for example, who's big moment, big guy, big apple. He's lifting the clubhouse. He's just fire. Just absolute fire type of guy that you need in New York. Yeah, that was a terrible idea when he signed with the Cleveland Indians and he didn't do anything with them. He should have stayed with New York. No. Yes, he should. Never know what went anyway, on Anyway, Greg Bird. Greg Bird, he needs to shut those haters up, like you said. We yeah. need to hear more of John Sturridge. It's bye-bye, Birdie! Yes, good call, good call. You know, I feel like I... I've loved him two seasons ago, that preseason he had, batting 444, seven homers, seven doubles, one triple, in only 19 games. I just, I was like, yes, here we go. And then, here we go, went to, oh my God, went. But, I say it, like you say it, he's probably got one more chance. What do you think? You think, I know people are impatient, they're already over him, but if he has a good little stretch produces, perhaps he can stay with the team? Yeah, I think he's, unfortunately, I hate to say this, I think he's on the same category as Luis Sessa, where it's going to be the last chance for him. He can't be productive. I think they're going to move him somewhere else. I agree. And unfortunately, uh, I really wish he could could use that right porch and rip that ball down that line, but he's, he's just too hurt. Yeah. Like I said, Greg Bird had a terrible season, but that one moment... That huge home run against Andrew Miller in the oh, ALDS. Yes. That was magnificent. That was huge. But as in baseball, the next day happens and you need to do it again the next day. Yep, I know. So, well, moving down the list here, Glaber Torres. Uh, Back Gle- to positivity here. Glaber Torres, he, in like the first like two to three months of the season, he should have been AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah. But right. who would have thought a, a fellow teammate of his named Andujar and was going to be ridiculous? Torres batted 271. Great number. 24 homers. That's pretty solid. Yeah. 77 RBIs. He's And you know he's bound to get better as oh, time yeah. goes along. And he was in the 7, 8, and 9 spot. So, you know, that's a lot of RBIs back at the bottom of the lineup. I seriously think he needs to be at the bottom of the lineup. Though. I agree. Number 9 hitter, you move it back to the top of the lineup. It's essentially a new leadoff hitter in a way, yes. And uh, whoever is in the 1 spot for the Yankees also has the opportunity to knock him in. I like to think him and Miguel Endahar were going to be with the team forever. I saw this new core four brewing. But then every offseason, people are saying, okay, get rid of him to get him to do this, to do I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'd be like, first of all, what are you talking about? Do you realize what he's done Look last the, season? That was his rookie. He's like three years old. He's a baby. Yeah, he's practically the same age as me, I think. He's 20... 23, 24, somewhere around there. But... He put up 
20 something home runs. He batted 292. He had 48 doubles. Oh, not to mention, you're right, the doubles record for the New York Yankees, right? As a rookie? Not to mention, he was also a nonstop clutch hitter when Aaron Judge went down, when uh, Sanchez went down, when Didi went down. He stepped up. You're he absolutely right. He contributed. He needs to stay a New York Yankee. He needs to stay a New York Yankee and approach. He needs to stay. Hitting the ball to all fields. I've seen him rip the ball to the left. I've seen him stay through the zone, keep his hands strong, hit it to right. Towards the end there, the end of the season, he was getting a little jumpy. Uh, big moment for a young kid, you know. Playoffs, Red Sox, Yankee Stadium. I was, I was nervous for him. He had a couple big whiffs, swings and misses that weren't very close. But hopefully now that he has that under his belt, he'll use it to improve. With all those positivity, there's still a couple of things I need to mention about Miguel Andujar. Yes, he's young, but he needs to be more patient at the plate. Torres or Miguel Andujar? Miguel Andujar we're right. talking about. Torres, Torres actually did pretty well. He's walking. a better fielder than, him, than Miguel, right? Yes, absolutely. So you're right. So continue. But like we said, Miguel Andujar, he's not good on the field, but... He has been getting practice reps from a, a fellow Hall of Fame third baseman. We talked about this last time. That's right. Adrian Beltre. Great, yes. great all-around player. You know him. He's going to be the Hall of Fame one day. And you're right. The, uh, these guys, they're listening to the veterans. My, uh, my father also mentioned that when it's, when it's Yankees opening day or when it's spring training, all the old players kind of go down. They just meander their way a little bit, maybe in the clubhouse, maybe in the... He's taken advice from many, many generations of Yankees. And, you know, one of them will click. One of them will find a connection with him and perhaps hit the nail on the head with exactly what's was wrong. But, like you said, he's super young. He has nothing but... Uh, Hopefully up to go. So I definitely going to be up. I I have nothing but faith for him. He's going to be a huge superstar. He's probably going to be the best third baseman since A Rod. I love it. So we've uh, got the position players. We have three player uh, three pitchers who have reported. Yeah. Severino, Paxton, and J A Happ. J A Happ most likely just being a veteran, wanting to get that presence around and uh, get his routine down in New York to get a full season under his belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paxton. Do you know anything about him? James Paxton was a pitcher that we acquired about a few months ago. We got rid of Justice Sheffield just to get James Paxton. But I think James Paxton, who had a breakout season last yeah. season, 11-6, 3.76, 208 strikeouts in 160 and a third innings. That is impressive. 208 strikeouts, I repeat, 208 in 160.1 innings. You know, the Canadian, they call him the Big Maple. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so... I love you and your knowledge. You have all the great little quirky, awesome stats and knowledge. Well, I just watch baseball all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Relax, I still got a life. You know, I live a very good life, but... Of course, man. And Severino. Ah, Severino. He's my boy. He's everyone's boy. Don't forget. Don't forget about that second second half stats. 19-8, 3.39 ERA, 220 strikeouts. As a 24-year-old who's going to be 25 this month, I believe. Yes. I was very impressed with his game against the Oakland Athletics. He stepped up. I remember he had a lot of pitches. Uh, He was in the, I think he reached the hundreds by like the fifth or sixth. But it was what we needed in the game. We needed it. I was very happy to see him. Remember the whole, is he going to... Poorly in the playoffs. We weren't sure what what kind of Luis Severino we were going to get in that wild card game, but we got the good Luis Severino. Yes. And hopefully he can remain consistent. Remember the beginning of the season last year, he was absolutely lights out. They were talking, uh, you know, Cy Young, but second half of the season, after the All-Star break, he kind of tapered off there. 
they were wondering uh, a little bit if he uh, was a head case or anything. I was like, no, nah, dude, he's just a kid in the Big Apple dominating life. <laughs> Give him a second. Yeah, think about it. He's on a he's on a whole new level for a young kid. Think about it. This this is a starting pitcher we haven't seen from the Yankees since like Sabathia, like way back yeah. when we first signed him. It's yeah. actually a good, refreshing feeling to have that we have a true ace. At a very cheap price, too. That's been the overarching thing we've been mentioning. Refreshing. Having younger players through the farm system, or at least new faces versus being the old guys, old contracts, just eating up like the end of their end of their careers. And that leads me to what we were going to mention, the infield, the questions, the spots to fill in. Um, what do you think? All right. So, first of all, getting Tulowitzki at the league minimum. That was huge. I thought that solid. Was, that was a great deal. Forget about his injury. He's still a very solid player. I remember when he was in Toronto, they mentioned that he was a Derek Jeter fan growing up. So, hence mm-hmm. why he wore two. Yep. And now he is going to play in the exact spot his hero played. I think that'll lift him and his career back up. I think he started to taper off, perhaps, or when he was playing in uh, Colorado. My mistake. But I think he'll be back, and I think he'll at least produce and do something. I think he's looking for that big stage and that du- that second chance in his career. He's definitely a good replacement for Didi Gregorius, who While's he, got uh, the uh, Tommy John surgery. But I don't think he's going to be the starting shortstop on opening day. Who do you think is going to be the starting shortstop? I think it's going to be Glaber who's going to be the shortstop because of another guy that we got from the Rockies, DJ LeMahieu. Ah, I, I really know. The funny thing is, you were saying it, I know nothing about him, and he won a batting title. Yeah, I was giving you uh, giving you a little uh, little critiquing on DJ LeMahieu because yeah. you're like, when you looked at me, you're like, like, who? You're like, who the hell is this guy? I was like, I heard him, that guy over there, but... You're right. You uh, you weren't kidding. Guy played one season for the Cubs. Terrible. Seven seasons now, or six seasons, going into a seventh for for the uh, Rockies. Yep. Now and he's a New York Yankee. I read down the list, and you weren't kidding. He basically batted 250 in his worst year, 276. But then he had 301. The batting title in 2016, he batted 348. Yes, you heard that correctly. 348. 348. Now let me ask you out there. Do you remember? The name DJ LeMahieu winning the batting title in 2016. I don't remember that. I do. Well, then again, I watch more baseball. I guess I watch more baseball. But yeah. yeah, DJ LeMahieu was on a whole nother level. The only reason why you didn't hear of him is because he was on a crappy Colorado That's Rockies also team. true. You're right. And he, the weird thing was his stats. He had 11 homers and 65 RBIs that year. For a guy who's batting 348 with an on base percentage of 412, like you mentioned, so he was walking, but. He was probably getting pitched to. That lineup had nobody protecting him, so uh, or getting on base for him. It he seems was like. able. He was able to take advantage of that because think about it, the Rockies. Who they have really in 2016? Todd Helton. No, I'm just kidding. Todd Helton. No. <laughs> Todd Helton retired in 2013. See, that's what I think when I think Rockies. I think uh, Todd Helton. Todd Helton. Larry Walker. The Rockies did make a name for themselves this past year. Charlie Blackman. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, these guys. They they, they actually uh, had a little pulse. Once again, out there in Colorado, who would have thought they were going to beat the Cubs last season? I oh, didn't. I had man. no idea. I thought they. First of all, I didn't expect the Cubs to choke the final week. Yeah, I. Uh, that's right. They skidded it into the playoffs to make it. Uh, they were first place. Then they lost to the the Brewers in Game One Sixty Three to play in the wild card game at right. home, Wrigley Field, solid fan base. 
and they lose to the Rockies. Wasn't it an extra inning game? It was an extra inning really? game, and a, ga- a backup catcher, I think, who batted like in the 160s for his career, got the game-winning hit. Oh, that's perfect. That's just perfect. That is just a... But good for them for stay- sticking to it. Yeah, and, that uh, was such a Cubs way to lose, putting them, Putting them back... Oh, that's such a Cubs way to lose. You're, <laughs> you're so right about that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I will say, so we're thinking we have... Miguel Andujar at third base. Absolutely. Rotating with DJ LeMahieu, perhaps. Yep. Is he, a, is he a versatile infielder? Can he play multiple positions? Yep. He's played third, he's played short, he's played second, and he's played a couple of games at first, so he'll definitely provide... We might need him there. Definitely a good idea for the Yanks. You give you give time off for Torres and Andujar right. and Voight Bird, whoever is playing. Absolutely. So with Miguel Andujar at third with the backup, while Didi's... In recovery, we've got Troy at, at shortstop, but you think it's going to be Glaber. Yep. I actually think you might be right there. Uh, second base will then be DJ? Maybe, yes, because he's a solid hitter. Yeah, well, uh, he'll be starting, it seems like, with those numbers. And then at first, we'll rotate Luke or Bird. We'll see where Bird's at. I think, like I, like we talked about, it's all about what's going to be happening in spring, spring training. training. Then again, he did hit 444 two years ago in spring training and then coughed and farted the uh, first time he got into the season and he broke his ankle. So if he can just not be so injury prone and break everything and have his ankle affect his shoulder and his shoulder affect his ear and his ear affects his eye, enough. I know injuries are real, I know, but do whatever you got to do, man, to just stay on the field for more than 10 games. You know what I think we should do? He needs to be wrapped in bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> bubble boy rolling down the street. Yeah, bubble boy bird. That's what... No, we're not going to call him that. No, that's actually no. very mean. No, that's right. very mean. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but as we round this uh, this week's podcast up, I want to do a little shout-out to some former teammates I've had. Team Connecticut Baseball is the premier AAU team in Connecticut. I was lucky to play with two humans that uh, you might know. First one, maybe on the lesser, he's a reliever for the Boston Red Sox, Matt Barnes. We're going to constantly look in and, and keep track of them throughout the year, where they are now. And the other one you might know who played outfield and uh, I could tell was something special because of the way the ball sounded off the bat, George Springer. Ah, George Springer. Represent Connecticut, also went to UConn. When he hit the ball in the cage, it sounded different. The wood... Oh, it was, it was like a good stake to me. It was amazing, but his beautiful thing was his away, his his opposite field power. He mm-hmm. would he would hit loopy, slow curveballs instead of everybody else pulling it in the gap. He would wait so deep and explode to right field. So he had power to all sides. Obviously, like you mentioned, World Series MVP. World Series MVP. Five home runs. That huge game seven home run he had in the second inning that just sealed the deal. You probably probably felt good after that. You probably were the happiest guy when I was. I was, you know, but I was I was here at the Lime Grill watching the TV, and my buddy Jimmy Healy, he's like, "Oh, look at him! He's right there!" And uh, I really appreciate when I see these guys because I remember where they were and I see where they are now, and I tip my cap to them. I wish them nothing but the best and more success. Oh yeah, you know George Springer is going to have a great career with the Astros. Oh yeah, and uh, I'm curious. I think his contract's a little. Interesting. We'll maybe get into that next time. But George is a, George is a, a stud, an all-star, and he's a multimillion-dollar guy. I'm curious why uh, he hasn't made one of those big contracts yet. Maybe he's just being a team player. I don't know. Maybe. But he was a good guy. You know what it is? I think it's just because he's still 
He's still a little bit new to baseball. He's been around for about a few seasons, so he could definitely, he'll definitely probably get a big contract. He's probably not going to get like a huge contract yeah. like his teammate Altuve or Correa are yeah. going to get eventually. And like, I remember like so his age got him like a two-year, I want to say it was like 11, or maybe I'm wrong, maybe it was 22, maybe it was like 10 or 11 per year, or it was five and a half, six per year. But I, I, I expect a player like that to be four, five, six year, you know, 100 mil. We're looking at 15, 20 mil a year. Uh, maybe there's a plan at, at, in play here that we don't know about. And yes, that lineup does have a lot of players that they got to somehow find the cap space for. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, shout out to him. Hope you have a good season and a good, uh, good spring training. And Matt Barnes. Yes, Matt Barnes. Oh, don't forget about Matt Barnes. Hey, he's a Red Sox, so... Uh, he won the World Series with them last year, though. Yeah, right. Maybe I'll give him a little bit of credit. <laughs> Shout out, Matty B. You know, he threw he threw more sidearm. He threw, like, way below three-quarters uh, back when I was playing with him. He had, like, a two-seamer that would tail five, six, seven inches. And he was throwing high 80s, like, low 90s, like 91. Now I'm pretty sure he tops out at 100. He's, he's consistent at 97. He's definitely learned. So he's definitely learned, grown, and gotten much stronger. Yeah, what a... Well, a lot of topics we got. And we're still officially getting underway because pitchers and catchers report oh, yeah. next week. We'll cover so much more. Man, that flew by. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's amazing how we talk about a sport and a team that we love so much, and it goes like that pretty much. And the company as well. I the company it. and the life aspect. Don't forget about the Super Bowl. Absolutely. The horrendous halftime show. <laughs> I didn't even see it. All right, good for you. <laughs> you didn't miss a whole lot. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week. We've had a great time here. My name is James Yevin. I'm TJ Stolzenberg. And we will see you next week. Rock and or roll.